1: Looking to get alongside of Font
2: Lafondra away from Davis, three-one running, three points running.
1: Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls podcast, supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Well, it's going to be a slightly upbeat podcast today. One will draw at Ashton Gates. It's another. Point closer to safety, as Paul Ince would say. We're going to have like a, a cliche bingo. We could easily have with that man, couldn't I mean, we? It'd be
0: fantastic. But to help me talk through it, I've been joined by Alex Everson. Yeah, we could uh, we could definitely start ticking those cards off, right? Like the uh, excuses are always there. I'm surprised Pit, pitch might have come up yesterday. Ramadan came I, up. There's, there's I was that,
1: of... that didn't come up. I was really surprised by that one. It was it was if we would have lost, I would feel
0: that might have come up. Yeah, yeah, potentially if we'd not if we'd not got a point, I think
2: it definitely would have done. Uh, we've also been joined by Andrew. How you doing? I'm all right, and yeah, one point closer to safety, and maybe just maybe Paul Ince did know what he's doing, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think you're making reference there to a
1: moment in the second half there with the uh, away and saying you don't know what you're doing, and uh, Paul Ince did mention that after the match, and I think he thoroughly enjoyed bringing that up and having a little dig back, but. Yeah, this is the second time we've attempted to record this and we're not going to go into that again. So uh, the first time was a bit of a nightmare. So let's go into the good, the bad, and in the injured, Alex. I'm going to start on the good
0: with you. So what are the good points that you would take from yesterday? Mateo up front was very good yesterday. Would want him to start every game, to be honest, from now to the end of the season. He was, he was really good, energy all over the place. Basically anything that was in any way attacking was either coming through him or uh Cassidy, who was also, especially in the first half, very good as well. Um and then a, a shout out to, to Joe Lumley. Did really good performance, I think, from, from Lumley. Um kind of came for every ball and it looked a little bit risky at times, but you know he did well and, and made some made some big stops. Um and yeah, Bristol is a city. It's quite nice. Got, got to gotta give gotta give Bristol a bit of praise there. Gotta give it a bit of love because uh, you know, got a pint in Bristol afterwards and it's it's a nice nice place, isn't it? Can't disagree. Love Bristol and I love all those points. Have you got any more positives there, Andrew?
1: We didn't lose. <laughs> that's that's good as you get into really, isn't it? That is really it. That is a massive positive. But yeah, I I particularly like pick out two there was um A Bristol. Bristol's a great place, really loved it there. With Joe Lumley, I think for me, that was one of his best all-round games of the season. I couldn't pick out anything that he did wrong. Um, just really vital moments on -on one-on-ones. He did well, took all the crosses, good decision, shot stopping. I don't think he'd do anything about the goal. Yeah, really positive. And there was a video of him getting a lot of love on the train back as well, wasn't there, on the socials? So yeah, it was good to see that because he's had like a rough few seasons before he's come to Reading at different clubs so he hasn't played well, basically. But here, I think he's pretty popular, Andrew.
2: I mean, would you have him in your top three for player of the season? Absolutely. He's been, apart from the obvious games, which we won't mention, overall, he's been a fantastic signing for us. And I think genuinely, we can all look at several games where if Lumley hadn't been between the sticks, that we wouldn't have got Quite as many points as we have now. And I know it, you know, we haven't got a massive total of points, but definitely he would be in my top three, possibly even my top two.
1: Yeah, no, no, fair enough. I'm, I put it out yesterday and loved some people replying said he'd be their player of the season. Maybe some of that is a little bit of a slight on Tom Ince and uh, the way it's dipped off in that game against Hull. But let's not forget, Tom Ince has also been fantastic this season as well at a point. So I'm not going to like start, you know. Redressing history. So, Alex, going into the game, we were both a little bit optimistic in the way down there in the car. We were thinking we might be able to pick something up, and for once, we were actually bang on.
0: Yeah, I think maybe hopeful, right? I think it was hope rather than true kind of optimism. Um, Reading have just got a weird, weird thing about them all season. I think where they they pick up results where you know we've played badly in games previous then all of a sudden they don't even play that well and some for some reason they suddenly turn around and and pick up a point um it's happened a couple of times this season and yeah it i think we went into the game with a little bit of like optimism probably because we haven't actually watched them for the last couple of weeks because of the international break which has helped so um it, it felt like there was a chance yesterday um seeing the lineup was gave me you know a little bit of a little bit of optimism as well because the midfield three of Hendrick Casday and fauna I think it must be like the ninth or 10th midfield combination that we've tried now this season and I, I don't know if it worked perfectly, but it was at least exciting to see Cast get that kind of central role in midfield. yeah totally agree i I, I totally agree I, I thought the lineup was apart from
1: Lucas Gell who i'd obviously uh, have starting ahead of carol i think apart from that it was about as good as it could get andrew i mean yeah i want to ask you though, andrew bad yep. points from today what what um, bad points do you have like do you think well, how do how do we do that what was well like, once
2: decisions? again There's quite a few still <laughs> yeah definitely once again i would absolutely say pinball based defending leading to a goal where We're trying to get blocks in and the ball's bouncing around here, there and everywhere. Uh, I would also throw in the fact that, um, you know, again, yet another team, if they had their shooting boots on, we would have lost that game, easily would have lost that game. Um, And relying on the linesman's flag to not concede is not going to necessarily be a tactic that's going to win you many points throughout a season. So those would be my three bad things
0: yeah I'm gonna, uh there's uh more though isn't there alex as well Probably yeah i was gonna to say good. i'm gonna add in one i'm sure that some people will think that i'm banging on about this because i've mentioned it 90 million times or something but andy carroll was bad yesterday I, I don't i know he got an assist but he is genuinely a detriment to the team at this point i think in open play well he's been a detriment most of the season in open play but I don't think he's really adding that much even at set pieces. I know he got an assist yesterday, but it was from a free header. I think it's, you know, if we'd had a different strike partnership up front, especially in the first half yesterday, the result would have, would and could have been different. Um, and that has really frustrated me. Ince's substitutions, again, just I don't understand them. Like, I know we're chasing the game and he brings on an attacking wing back for Guinness Walker. It sort of makes sense, but then Carroll's left on up front alongside Lucas Zhao, and you push Mate, who has been your best player in the match up to that point, and you push him out wide. I, it's the substitutions again; they just don't they don't make sense in in what's what's happening. I think, and I know Ince tried to address it afterwards, but yeah, I I, I don't understand them. I, I just think it's another another example of Ince's substitutions just being a bit confusing and, and not really not really necessarily working logically.
1: Logical pull-ins. That is a sentence that is very rarely kind of used, isn't it, really? But um, on the bad list as well, Alex, I'm amazed you brought up those pre-match burgers that you and Matt had because they looked, they were offensive.
0: Awful. Actually, the, the, the t- it tasted okay, I'll, you know, a bit of credit, but like, Value for money was dreadful. And, like, you know, you get onions in a burger at the football, I would expect them to, A, be fried. Raw onions is a dreadful, like, dreadful addition to a burger. And it just, yeah, just not pretty. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. Ne- needs improvement. Nothing on blue collar. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, of course. The Holy Grail, that is blue collar. So let's get into
1: the match then, Andrew. The game started off from Bristol City straight away. We're going down their right-hand side. Getting down the sides of us repeatedly. This continued for ninety minutes. Basically, nothing seemed to change. We just decided this was how it was going to be. We were just going to continue to let this happen. But how many chances did Bristol City actually have from those crosses?
2: Uh, well, that was the thing. They—I wouldn't say they had that many. I mean, I, I couldn't necessarily count them, but there weren't that many. And again. Kind of like the point that we got was more because bristol city couldn't finish off the excellent work they were doing rather than because we f- fought back we had really that one chance didn't we that ultimately got us the uh equalizer but as i said earlier if bristol city had been able to find the target they'd have been two three four ahead before we'd even had that opportunity and it, it it's just We've talked about this before, but we set up not to lose, but then allow loads and loads of space and give them every opportunity to make sure that they've scored at least a goal. It, it, I just don't understand. I guess what they're
1: planning to do is, is trying to stay compact in the box, give the space outside and think that we're you know a big team. I mean, it hasn't worked. Um, we did have a golden chance in the first half after about 20 minutes from Yaku Meite, though, Alex when really,
0: if his foot hadn't given way, he's probably a goal, isn't it? I think so, yeah. The, the ball gets played over the top from, from Fauna and it's a, it's a pretty good pick out from Fauna. We finally see a Reading player use a bit of pace to get in behind the defence. And uh, yeah, Matey's right foot, his standing foot, just completely gives way underneath him. And, you know, shout out for another bad thing yesterday. The pitch was absolutely awful. Um, not only was it, wet and slippy because of all the rain which had happened over the past 24 hours before the match but it was covered in in just divots everywhere from where the rugby's been on lines everywhere from the rugby it it, it wouldn't have looked out of place at prospect park i don't think um but yeah mate's chance i mean i it's one of those chances where i think if he if he hits it i think he scores because it's it's one of those instinctive mate chances where he does better when he doesn't have to think about it. And unfortunately, because of his foot, you know, slipping underneath him, he just completely air, air kicked it and it kind of goes harmlessly through to the keeper.
1: Yeah. And I mean, he also has another chance later on when he does go around the keeper, gets a good shot in. But before that, there's also a good interception and a one-on-one from Joe Lumley who, yeah, I think he's uh, had a really good game yesterday, as we mentioned uh, earlier. And, it kind of like doesn't get mentioned enough how many times he keeps on doing this. I mean, he's had some poor games, but yeah, yeah. respect to him, Andrew. And Yaku Mete that chance when he goes round the goalkeeper, hits the shot, plenty of power in it, but where are all the other Reading players? There's
2: absolutely no one there for him to pass to. Yeah, I think they're keeping it tight in our own box to make sure we're defending the space, to be honest. Uh Mete does absolutely everything right on that one, gets on the end of the ball, gets it round the keeper. He has to hit it from there because, you, as you've mentioned, Paul, there isn't a single running player in the same postcode um, for him to be able to use, so he has to shoot. And there are about five or six different uh, City players in and around. It's the only thing he can do. And uh, as we mentioned off-air before we started, that... Uh, Carol finally appears just as the ball's gone out for a corner in the very, very top of the screen. So it just shows how far away everybody else is, but also how important Mate's pace could be to us in the running. It frustrates me so much this chance because of the fact that we you're
0: you're playing a counter-attacking style of football with not with no pace. What's what's the point? Um, mate, as as Andrew said, Mate done everything he can do here to try and create a goal scoring opportunity he gets a shot away which looks like it's uh going to be on target but because there's no other reading player there he's got to do everything himself which is you know it's not going to work you, you need another player up there who who's able to counter attack with with Mate. i mean it it, it comes across uh, the chance comes around really quickly because of the way that we've defended it from our own box but uh yeah really frustrating to see the fact that you know you've got your main striker on the field and he's 35 yards behind the chance when it actually takes place. Which kind of like sums up us at the moment,
1: doesn't it? It's the striker and then there's the rest of the team, isn't it? Um, it is not Um its a really, um, it's a tough job for them, but we think we're going to get to halftime. We think we've got there. We've kind of like somehow... I mean, we've obviously had a couple of chances, but it's been mainly Bristol City. You'd be disappointed if you're them and you haven't scored at least one in that first half. They also had the opportunity from a corner when they got a couple of shots in. But Conway then gets the goal. They're two minutes into injury time. Yeah, again, so much space down our left-hand side. Cosses the ball in. It comes off loom and then it deflects into the path of
0: Conway. It wasn't, it just it wasn't loom was it? Loom wasn't playing. I don't know who it came off, but...
1: Wasn't he? Oh, my God. It was
0: Saar, wasn't it? He it was star. Star. Oh, my God. I had too much cider yesterday. That's what it was. <laughs> this is like... the, yeah. the, the space on the left-hand side is very frustrating um, because I think it's a very easy one for people who are listening to, to think, oh, space on the left-hand side, where's Guinness Walker? But I think actually what Guinness Walker's done was correct. He's followed the man who's taken the ball inside, um, as the as the Bristol City player is running side with the ball at the edge of the area, he's followed the man in, but the the crosser the the guy who actually puts the cross in eventually there hasn't been anybody who's followed him or gone out wide to go and to go and mark the the guy who's got all the space to cross the ball in. Um, I, I imagine it was probably Fauna's job to pick him up, but I don't. You can't really tell because he's got so much space. By the time he actually the ball comes back out to him that there's no one, there's no Reading player even close to him. No, no. And like we said
1: earlier, there was no chance for uh, Lumney to start that one. So you can see how much they deflated the team. We're going in at 1-0. The away end is flat. It's not great at all. I mean, Andrew, what were your mood at that moment? Because you've got to be feeling there's another defeat on the way here.
2: It was just the inevitability of it. We've been hanging on and hanging on. And it was like, whatever we do, we mustn't concede just before. Oh, we have. And, you know, you you just know it's coming. And the question is, we cannot lose this game. But where's the goal coming from? At that point in time, we were all thinking, where on earth are we going to score from? Where on earth are we going to get the opportunity to get a point at, at most out of this game? And the number of times that has happened, you just think, oh, I'm just fed up with it. Yeah, I think we're all fed up with it, Andrew.
1: I think we've all like reached a tipping point there. And the YM was not a little, it was just beginning to turn a bit toxic in the second half. But Alex, there really wasn't much happening in the first 20 minutes or so of that second half. Or have I like totally blanked it all out? It just kind of,
0: Bristol City mainly, but it was one chances. of those, it was one of those halves which kind of sums up Paul Lynch football, really. We're behind and we just don't do anything. Um, it felt less creative than the first half. And the first half wasn't particularly creative. Like, as you can tell from the amount of chances that we've just gone through for Reading. Um, I think we had one shot from outside the area just after the restart, which went kind of a couple of yards wide. And apart from that, I genuinely, I can't remember a chance that we had um, really up until the goal. I think we had a set piece maybe, but the header was kind of like looped upwards, and we didn't. It, I mean, it wasn't a chance or a, goal, a shot or anything like that. And it's, yeah, it just felt so kind of synonymous with with what in footballs become, um, which is just kind of dour, dour attacking football. Yeah basically. I mean, it's got so bad, I'm actually
1: thinking players are players when they're not now. Um, it's it's not a good sign, is it? It's not a positive uh, situation when that kind of thing happens. So, we make a substitution, which then went down incredibly badly in the uh, away end, which was a real toxic moment there, definitely. A lot of anger building, and you feel if that goal from Lucas Zhao hadn't come in the 72nd minute from one of those substitutes crosses, kind of indirectly, Aziz gets the free kick in, then Carroll gets his header across to Lucas Zhao. And, OK, it is a pretty simple header, Andrew, but, you know, strikers have missed these before.
2: Yeah, they have. And, you know, it just shows the importance of having someone like Zhao in the team. And, you know, looking forward to next year, whichever division we're in, we're unlikely to have... Uh, a striker who is as deadly as he is in those kind of positions. Although, big shout out to the Bristol City defence for allowing the best header of the ball on the pitch that much space to get a header. I mean, it's ridiculous. As Alex said earlier, it's one of the few things that he did. But if you're going to give someone who's played international football, played in the Premier League and so on and so on, that much space to direct a header, he's going to put it somewhere dangerous.
1: I think Tom Holmes just blocks off the Bristol City defender for a split second before.
0: They they did ex- Reading tried exactly the same free kick about 10 minutes before they scored the goal. It was exactly the same move. Tom Holmes and Andy Carroll stood at the back post together and and Andy Carroll got a free header. Um I'm amazed that Bristol City didn't manage to, you know, adapt to that free kick. Um yeah, it's a goal is one of the most frustrating goals to see. Because it 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 just proves the point that you should play your best players. Play your best players, and you'll pick up more points. I just it's so frustrating to watch like our best players who don't play games. Why like why is that? A, why is that a thing? Um, we're going to end up with you know what seven games to go. We're going to end up in a relegation battle, presumably, and we all are uh, going to go to or watch the game on on Friday and Easter Monday. And no one really knows if Lucas Jao is going to start, despite the fact that we all know that actually we probably have a better chance to win if Lucas is on the field, which just seems ludicrous. Yeah, well, logic, Paul Ince. Uh, yeah, go on, Andrew.
2: I was just going to say, I know uh, at the start of the season, uh, when I was on for Sheffield United, I did mention that I was one of the people who thought Xiao should have gone uh to make a bit of money. But obviously, after what happened yesterday, I fully retract that statement. It was vitally important that he stayed because that goal might keep us up. Yeah, Let,
1: let's not start on like comments that we've all made on this podcast that actually we really wish we hadn't made. <laughs> because they were, re- were entering a very dangerous world there for everyone who's been on. Uh yeah, that could be tricky. Someone asked us a question here. Tyler asked, what does Aziz have to do to start regularly, Alex? What do you think? Do you think he should be in the starting lineup?
0: I don't know where he fits. is part of the problem. Um, like I, I, I kind of get Tyler's question about the fact that Aziz probably should start because when he's on the field, we do look more dangerous. But I also don't know where he fits into the team particularly because of the style that all the system that we play with with only three midfielders and and two strikers. It doesn't don't just I'm not sure where he would actually start unless he's going to get starts as a left wing back. And I I don't see Paul Lintz being adventurous enough in his selection choices to select a, an attack like such an attacking wing back at left wing back for the start of games. Um, you know, the only other option for Aziz is to become a, you know, a striker who's 10 years older and then he
2: might be getting some starts. Other than that, I don't think he will this season. Or he could become a centre-back, because surely if he became a centre-back, he'd definitely be in the team every week.
1: Yeah, that's about right. I think so. I think he probably would be. Uh, It's a remarkable... um, uh, It's almost like, yeah, because we seem to have a whole ring of these managers now. Mark Bowen, that game, I think at Charlton, where we had something like four or five full-backs on
0: the pitch. I think we ended with three left-backs, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. just
1: something about the mentality around the club, isn't there? It's clearly contagious. As soon as you come in, you're like, I must have about nine defenders on the pitch at all times, even in midfield, doesn't
0: matter. You know what that is, is, Paul? um, That is so kind of like, it just highlights the the point of so many of our managers over the last, what, four or five seasons that they don't play to win games. Hmm. They don't play to win games. They all play... To not lose before they try and play to win games because they're all more worried about losing the game than they are about going out and winning the game. Firstly, do you think it's all because they're also worried about losing their
1: job as well? Yeah, because there's no long term plan, is there? So they have to continuously come in and fire, fire, you know, for that,
0: you know, thinking from their side. Yeah, I mean, potentially, but also that's, you know, as we were discussing off air beforehand. Look at the games that we've played in the last few weeks. We've played um, Hull, Bristol, and somebody else who we drew against, but I cannot remember. Oh, Hull and Bristol, and then we've got two points out of them. If we draw against Birmingham on Friday, as an example, we'll have picked up three points. But actually, if you just won one of those games, you'd be in the same position anyway. It, like, it's, you don't need to be going out and trying to draw games because you can actually pick up a win in another game, and it's going to give you the same amount of points. It, it, I. I think you're right. I think it is to do with the um, to do with the the fact that managers are trying to keep their jobs. Firstly, but it's, it makes for such a kind of pressurized situation all the time. Yeah, totally. As a fan, it's not enjoyable. Uh, there's, there's you can't say
1: in any way. The only enjoyable thing is at the end of the season when we've stayed up. But the rest of it's a it's a chore, isn't it? Most of it, um, yeah. Which isn't great. Last few minutes were horrible, Andrew. Um, I just felt it was inevitable that Bristol City were going to score. They hit the woodwork really late on, but thankfully that just didn't happen. They didn't have that one massive chance that went in. So thank God for that. That's what I say.
2: Yeah. And I think the thing is that we were all absolutely, you know, convinced we were going to lose because we've seen it so many times before. Uh, For me, it very much reminded me of that game, Uh, up against Sunderland where uh, when that goal went in that was it we knew we'd lost and it was like that we knew if there was any slip up or City managed to create that one chance it would go in and we'd be done we it would be over and it'd be another point lost and again it was the fact that we didn't really uh, try and get anything more than that point everything that alex has just said didn't try and get anything more than that point and we were camped inside our own box for most of those last five minutes yeah
1: we definitely it definitely felt they looked like they were far more likely to score but there was one absolutely huge chance right at the end possibly when aziz okay i don't think this is a good pass to lucas Jow at all alex but what's your thoughts on it
0: yeah so we've got a three-on-one with what twenty-five seconds to go? A briefer wins the ball on the edge of our own area from the Bristol City Corner. Uh breaks with Aziz. Uh he's kind of running alongside Aziz and Lucas chow ahead of them. And Aziz plays the ball through to, to Lucas Shao just as they go past the halfway line. The pass into the pass into Lucas chow is, is not great. Yeah, he hasn't played in, in front of Chow. He hasn't played into stride. I mean, the, the pitch, finally, we can use this as an excuse, the pitch wasn't good, and it definitely does bobble up in into Lucas Zhao's path as well. Um, Zhao hasn't done a great job either, because, you know, ultimately he, he miscontrols the ball and the Bristol City player wins it back very easily. But to be three on one and to not even, you know, we didn't even get into their final third, and we've got 20 seconds to win the game, it's just disappointing. Like it's, it's it's just so frustrating to sit there and, and watch us have a, a counter attack with twenty seconds left of the game, and we don't even make it into the final third. Let alone, you know, get a shot away. Um, it, it just highlights kind of how poor we are as a team, as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the other thing about it is the fact that. You take that, you take the free kick at the end of the whole game, and that could be six points that we had instead of two. Now, I'm not saying that we would have scored yesterday or the free kick against Hull wouldn't necessarily scored, but in both of those situations, we did not take the chance. And that's just symptomatic of everything we've discussed so far today, that we're just not taking uh, enough risks and not taking enough chances to get ourselves the points we need to stay in this division yeah i think
1: i'm just about recovering from therapy from the whole city one when we went backwards and instead of putting in the box in the last seconds that was just uh yeah i'd almost forgotten that so i'm I'm really pleased that you brought that one up andrew thank you for that um uh, so, uh yeah thank you uh so uh we've got the game coming up against birmingham city on friday because it's uh easter world coming up. That is such a monumentally important game now. We have to win their game. We've been here before. I said exactly the same before, Hull City. I didn't feel yesterday was the game that was a must win. Obviously, I'd love to have won, but I just didn't think it was that likely, in a way, game. We just don't do it, Alex. So what is your prediction for Birmingham City? And will Lucas Jow finally start a game?
0: And will Carroll start? We all know he will, but I'm just going to ask you the question. Uh, Okay, I'll answer your questions backwards. Carroll will start getting 90 minutes. Lucas Yao won't start and will come on with 20 minutes to go, probably for Yakumate. And Reading will draw against Birmingham 1-1 and we'll all come home, be feel very negative about it um, because of the fact that Blackpool and Cardiff are playing against each other and one of them is going to have got closer to us by the end of Friday. Yeah, so that's another upbeat ending is isn't it? Andrew, what
1: are you going to say? What's your prediction?
2: Um, my prediction is that we'll play 4-3-3. We'll have Mateo, Carroll and Joe up front and we'll win 5-0. Only joking, of course, it's going to be 1-0. Um, we'll probably score a scrappy goal like we did uh, against Bristol City. And basically, I think the fact is that we could have got 5-7 points out of the three games, and I think we'll have end up with three, and it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the problem is, yesterday, one of the major issues we had was the fact that Huddersfield suddenly found two wins, haven't they? They've got the win against Millwall last week, and now they've got the one yesterday against Middlesbrough. I mean, Alex, that's just affected the mood of everyone,
0: hasn't it? It's like an annoying little, like, flea, isn't it? Like a wasp or a bee, which just flies around all the time. You just trying to try and swat him away over time. That's uh, a warning, though, isn't it? Basically, yeah, That's yeah, what I mean, he yeah is. exactly. That's what I'm, des- who I'm describing here. You know, he just won't go away. Just, just go. No, we don't want you here. No one else. Everyone else in football loves him, but like, just go away. Just stop winning. Um, Because I think the mood would be so different if Middlesbrough had maybe done, you know, what we all expected them to, and actually beaten Huddersfield yesterday. The mood would probably be quite different. I think if we would picked up a point and they'd lost, but. Because they've got closer to us um you know the mood is very very negative isn't it uh at least on the upside it did feel like the most the other results kind of went our way though really cardiff obviously losing in the last minute which was very very funny i must say uh in in their derby game and then qpr losing as well to wigan It, it seems to be a good result for us and blackpool look absolutely hopeless and lost in their game as well so feels like most of the results kind of went our way,
2: um, but that Huddersfield one really kind of puts a bit of a down on it. I think we should all put money on the fact Huddersfield will be safe by the time we pay them in the final game of the season because that would just be such a worn out thing to do. Um, in terms of the other results, like Alex said, yeah, actually, it kind of worked out OK for us. And really, you'd say probably Blackpool and Wigan probably going to go. And then it's between Cardiff, QPR and ourselves, I would say, possibly Rotherham uh, for that final place. And hopefully it's not us. Let's hope so. I mean, QPR, they are crashing. Was
1: that eight defeats out of the last nine?
0: They are really massively in free fall. And um, The video of the, the QPR player at full time yesterday, I don't know how many people have seen it, but there's a, there's a video of the QPR fans. Berating one of the QPR players who decided to, that he snapped and he had to go back at them at full time yesterday, and the mood yeah. at QPR must be absolutely just in the in the mud at the moment. We know and how that is. is. We we are only too familiar with that
1: mood and situation. So. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed this uh, podcast, enjoyed it, enjoyed it, uh, whatever you think, got through it, I don't know. It's another Reading FC podcast, isn't it, that we've banged out. So if you do enjoy it in any way or form, give us a rating on Apple or Spotify. <sighs> I'm going to say that we're going to win next Friday against Birmingham. In my heart, I don't believe
2: it, but I want to end it on a positive. So cheers. Up the fucking day